You are listening to the 3 and D podcast. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3 and D pod. Uh, as always, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out GBB Live, the Core 4 podcast, and the Starting 5 podcast. Joining me today, like he does every other week, is Mr. Ben Hogan. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, Justin. How's it going? I am doing great. The baby had me up at 4 o'clock this morning, uh, so we've we've been rocking and rolling early today. <laughs> I've been up since 6, 6.30 because of mine, so I, I feel you. Yeah, I hear you. Well, um, we have a uh, big-time guest on with us this morning. Uh, joining us from ESPN is Mr. Bobby Marks. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Doing all right. Doing all right. Good. So, so here in Memphis, um, we've gone now a little over a week without basketball um, due to some COVID exposure issues. We're not really sure who tested positive, how many tested positive in Memphis. We just know that the NBA is being extra cautious with the, their new protocols. So, Bobby, Ben has a, a couple questions for you regarding uh, the COVID protocols and the future of, uh, I guess, the season going forward. So, I'm going to turn it over to Ben. Well, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, with uh, the Grizzlies missing so many games, uh, their Wednesday, tomorrow's game against the Bulls is off. Uh, the Spurs game canceled or postponed yesterday and – those are the two games after the Bulls for the Grizzlies. Do you see all these teams being able to make it up before, you know, before the season ends or how are they going to approach this or what are you hearing, Bobby? Yeah. I mean, I think the only way I thought that these games could be made up is if we, we did it during all-star break. Um, but now it looks like they're going to try to, <laughs> they're going to try to play some type of all-star game here and, I think when you look at even the month of the month of January that we just went through, you are having teams playing, you know, what I think Brooklyn has 17 games in the 31, 31 days here. So although the schedule allows you to make up games uh, on the back end because um, it hasn't been released and they gave them the league gave themselves flexibility. I think it's going to be awfully hard if you're going to try to make up four or five games here in, in March and April and, and try to get this season done by um, mid-May. And I think we, what we might be looking at is similar to what happened when the season resumed, that we, we take winning percentage instead of playing 72 games. You know, I think as long as you're in that north of 65 games territory, um, I think there's merit towards winning percentage. but yeah, I mean, we're going to probably get, um, you know, we got uh, San Antonio. I uh, was a San Antonio, New Orleans on Monday night that got postponed. Uh, there's going to be games every night that's going to be, be postponed. Washington's got to make up a bunch of games here. So yeah. I think, I think there'll, there'll be some games that will be made up. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with where teams are, um, you know, from a, from a travel standpoint, if it's, if it's from Chicago. You know, the crazy thing, and I'm looking at um, – look at the standings right now is that Memphis only played one division game. <laughs> I mean, like, so you've got a bunch of those teams that you're going to have yeah. to play here. So, um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to think that all 72 games will be played. I think the, the goal will be that some will, um, but that we use winning percentage on the back end. 
And you mentioned the All-Star game. Are you a little surprised that they've brought it up, especially with some teams like the Grizzlies dealing with uh, COVID protocols, tracing and all that stuff? Do you th- are, are you surprised that they're even discussing it by bringing players into one city for an All-Star weekend, even if it is for charity? I'm stunned. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be All-Star voting, um, how we normally see it from the fans, and then how we norm- we, do we see it from the coaches, and that there would be an, an Eastern Conference and Western Conference All-Star team selected. I always thought that. But to have players go into, even if it's in a bubble environment in Atlanta, to play a meaningless game, I get it maybe from the TV standpoint, but I, I don't get it big picture, big picture why, especially where guys, sacrifice, the players sacrificed a lot to get this season going in, um, in mid, um, you know, mid-December here uh, to start playing. You have, you mean, do you think LeBron James is going to want to go play in an all? Anthony Davis is going to want to play in an All Star game if they after they just had a two uh, two months off from playing to go play and and uh, you know give up a week in in uh, in March here. So yeah, I am um, I am surprised. And unless the Players Association is going to get a big concession, and I mean concession financially, I just don't see it. I don't see why it makes sense at all. Yeah, it. I'm with you. I was I was expecting them to just select the teams and kind of just be an honor um, for them to do that. Um, Do you think that John Morant had the Grizzlies been able to play all their games and he had not been hurt? Like this was a season that we could have seen his name in the conversation to be an All Star. Oh yeah, I I definitely think so. I mean, I think when you look at the guards. you know, certainly in the Western Western Conference, um, I think I kind of I would probably give him a more of an edge over where Chris Paul is right now. I think Chris has a good has had a good year in, in Phoenix, but probably not as high level that we saw last year in um, you know in Oklahoma City. The McCollum injury hurts in Portland. Um, you know, certainly there. Um, I think you line him up to guys like you know Jamal Murray. Um, you know, Donovan I think is a shoe in Mitchell. Um, you know, so you go you just kind of you go through the, the, the list there, it's a, it's a process of, you know, certainly Luca process of elimination. And then with this team playing well, um, and if he hadn't, you know, gotten that injury, then yeah, I think he, he certainly, his name would be, um, you were going to hear his name being talked about for all-star consideration for, you know, the next 10 plus years here. Wow. Um, let's, let's transition. When I, when I first reached out to you, Bobby, it was right when Ja actually got hurt. Um, and what I was going to ask you was, is like, as a front office mind, like what, what would the Grizzlies approach had been going forward with, with jaw going to be out, you know, anywhere between three to five weeks. And we were all assuming with the safe approach they were taking with Jaron Jackson, that they were going to take the safe approach with Morant as well. And then here go the Grizzlies rattling off five straight (laughs) without him, And then he comes back and they win another. So now my question is, what do you see in this Memphis team that has allowed them to be currently six in the standings that maybe Vegas and other NBA people didn't see at the beginning of the season? Probably one of the better benches in the league. I think that's kind of where I, I see that to with, uh, withstand the injuries to, um, you know, Jaron hasn't been back. He's been recovering. We haven't seen 
Uh, last time we saw Justice Winslow was in a heat uniform, so we haven't seen him in a while. You certainly mentioned job being out. Um, you know, one of the few teams that has gotten this hardship exception. I think they might have been the first team that got the hardship exception here. And when he when Ja got hurt in Brooklyn, it's like kind of like you know this this thing is gonna you know snowball pretty quickly. And as you guys know, when you lose two, it goes to four, the six, and it gets it gets out of you know, it gets out of hand and now you're looking at the, at your standings and you're, you know, you're three and 10. And then in this Western conference, it's, it's unforgiving here. But I think what's been able to, to keep them going is, as I said, is their bench. I mean, their bench has been really good. And, and what the bench has been, it, now you have to elevate them to starter level with some of these guys hurt. And if it's either, you know, Tyus filling in for Jao or your two draft picks this year with, um, with uh, Bain and, and Tillman who, you know, I mean, come on, when you're picking that 30 and what, 35 with, with Tillman, when you move up from 40 to 35 and you get guys that can come in and one has had started the last game and Bain comes off the bench and is shooting 48, 49% from three to give that, um, you know, to give you that boost. And then, you know, Brandon Clark, I mean, I mentioned it and I, and I said, you know, with, with the Grizzlies been able to do is that, they've kind of circled the market where, where their draft philosophy, and I haven't talked to Zach Kleiman about this, but their draft philosophy is targeting guys that have been in, the, in college three to four years. Guys that they can come in right now with Ja and Clark, Tillman and Bain, um, not flash, you know, maybe not the t- more, maybe this is what we see of these guys. I think Ja's got more, certainly more of an upside. They can come in the league right now, high IQ, and then, you know, and you can have them come off the bench. You can either have them start if, if you need here. Um, but I think, that's what, I think that's what saved them, really, is that, you know, your bench guys that you had to elevate to, to that starter role, um, you know, played at a high level here. So, and certainly, you add Grayson Allen to that mix, too, who's played, you know, has had some really good moments. Another guy who's been in, who was in college for a while, but, you know, of course, was traded for. Um, and then, you know, Kyle, guys like that. But, yeah, I think, I think just having guys who are – you know, first or second year in the league, but are not really rookie-type players. The Grizzlies are sort of in a weird position as they're they're so young, but right now they're, you know, they're in the playoffs, uh, at least, you know, right now. What do you think kind of approach should they take to the trade deadline? You mentioned their bench. They have pretty good depth. Should they try and trade some of those pieces for a win now, or should they tr- – maybe trade those pieces for future assets or just kind of sit where they are. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually starting to work on the, the big trade guide that we, we put out, um, you know, every year and, you know, just kind of writing notes and they've got those picks from um, Utah and, and Golden State from the Conley and Iguodala trade. I wouldn't do anything with them right now. I mean, I think the next couple of years, the draft's going to be pretty good here. And I think you can add, or maybe down the road, you can, you can do something with that. I mean, really, the, they're, they're probably their big asset is probably the expiring of Gorgie. Um, if you want to do something like, you know, take back money into next year when you can get a player that has some length and can help you. Um, that's kind of my where I would look at things here. I wouldn't look at making wholesale, wholesale changes, um, you, know, you know, to this roster because you've got so many guys on these rookie scale contracts. You've got good contracts. Um, you know, JV's played at a, at a, at a good level here. Um, you don't have an open roster spot. I think, 
I mean, if we can ever get Winslow back on the court, right? I mean, that's going to be like your your trade edition part two here. Um, right, yeah. I don't know what his, you know, he didn't play, and I and I know Zach got criticized last year when he when um, you know he sacrificed, I guess, cap flexibility to take back that waiters contract here, and I understood the move why he did it because of Winslow, but I said at the time, like the, my biggest concern is if you know his health, right? I, I saw it in Miami firsthand can he ever get on the court and we're still kind of waiting for him. So he might be your big trade addition, you know, for the second year in a row here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, to, to speak on the draft when, and the snowball thing, when, when jaw went down, I'm never pro tank, but I was also not going to be too upset that if the Grizzlies just kept losing and we ended up with Jalen green to put in the backcourt <laughs> with, uh, with Jaw going forward. Uh, one of the popular trade ideas that floats around Grizzlies Twitter is packaging Brandon Clark in a deal to bring in Bradley Bill. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know if the alarm clock has gone off yet in Washington on Bradley Beal. I, I think there's going to be a time, I don't know when it's going to be, but Bradley Beal will wake up one morning and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. If this team and it's hard because of where we are in with COVID and that and that's another team that hadn't played in what like 10 days. And how do you evaluate what's going on in Washington? What's certainly with Westbrook here? But will there be a time when Bradley says, you know what, like I did I tried, I you know, but it's not going to work out here. And I think you've seen what it cost to get James Harden. Uh Harden's a little bit different because he had he had, you know, he he had about three years left on his contract. Bradley going into next year could be on an, an expiring here, but you see the, 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 how much it costs to go out and get one of these high level players. And uh, Brooklyn was in a good spot because, um, you know, they had some, they had all their picks and, you know, they're in that win now mode here. I don't know if you're in that win mode here, unless you know that Bradley Beal is going to commit long-term to you, because I think it would cost you your, it would probably cost you both uh, that Golden State and that uh, Utah pick. It probably maybe even probably cost you another one. Then you got to add salary to get here. So um, I don't think Washington's taking phone calls yet on, on Beal. Eventually they're going to have to figure it out because that's when you get into the off season here that, um, you know, he, as I said, he is going into that expiring contract, but it will cost you dearly, um, you know, to try to get him. Yeah, and I and I agree. I don't think the Grizzlies are. I don't think the alarm clock has gone off on them yet either. That oh, this is our window. We've got to make a move now. Um, th they should still grow with this core of young guys they got and not uh, start packaging stuff yet. Um, but that's just everybody's obsessed with the idea of Bill being on Bill Street in Memphis. Uh, and <laughs> well, you know, even Memphis. Well, Memphis is is doing is they're kind of copying Denver's blueprint a little bit here. Right. And and we haven't seen the alarm clock go off in Denver yet when they're thinking like, you know what, we're a win now team. You know, maybe Michael Porter Jr. is not untouchable anymore. And we want to go out and get Bradley Beal and stuff like that. So it's like they're almost like kind of following in their timeline. They're probably, you know, a year behind. Of course, there's no Jokic on this team, but they do have these young players here similar to what the Nuggets have. I'm going to ask you about one of the young players. He's, he is by far the most polarizing player on this roster. There is a, an island dedicated to him for his fans, and then there is a group that wants to burn this island down. <laughs> and I lead this island of wanting to burn it down. What is your thoughts on Dylan Brooks? Yeah. Well, first, <laughs> I, I'm fine with the contract. 
right? Like I, I get it. Like I understood why, um, you know, the extension last year, um, there are, there are nights when Dylan Brooks looks like, as I, I kind of tear guys, I, uh, top starter, right? You know, all-star franchise. There are nights when he is a, when he is a top starter. And then there are nights when I wouldn't even put him in a game, you know, where I call him, what I call him is a rotation B guy, right? Those are the guys that's your 14th and 15th guy. And, and you're right. He is a, um, he is a polarizing, uh, polarizing figure here. Um, sometimes I think he's a little bit of a, um, a security blanket for, for Taylor, um, you know, kind of put, putting him out there, but, um, it kind of sways both ways, right? When he's got it going, he's got it. But when he's, when he doesn't, um, you know, what value does he, ha- I always say, if you're not making shots, what value do you have on the court? You know, what keeps you on the court? Can you, can you defend? Can you do little things here? And you're right. I mean, this is kind of, <laughs> this is kind of, you know, who he is right now. And he's got, you know, you know, 11, four, 12, two and 11, four on this contract, which is kind of where the mid-level exception is going to be at one day, you know, eventually here. So it's not the end of the world contract. And if things do go a little bit South with him, you, he could always move, but yeah, I think you hit it right on the head as far as either. There's no in between, right? Either you love him or you hate him. <laughs> there's and, no. You know, exactly. and, you know, it's like a presidential um, race, you know, probably 51% to 48% and maybe a little bit more there. Yeah, and my problem with him has always been, like, he should be probably fourth in pecking order as far as shots yeah. taken in a game. But there'd be some nights where he jacks 23 and Valanciunas has eight. And that just doesn't make any sense as why Jenkins would even, like, keep him in the game for that. And you you said a security blanket for him, and we all know those coaches have him. Like, J.B. Bickerstaff, yeah. his security blanket in Memphis was Shelvin Mack, of all players. and then. It feels like to us right now that that Jenkins' security blankets also may be Grayson Allen. Yeah. Um, he stuck with Grayson early in the season when Grayson was struggling. He's turned it on um, as of late, right before we got shut down, really. Um, but Dylan, for me, ideally, for a team that's, that's contending, a team that's fighting for the playoffs and that's going to be successful in the playoffs, Dylan is a 15 to 20-minute six-man um, 10 to 12 shots type player. And then if he's got it going one night, then yeah, you let him jack 20. Yeah. And you know what? I, it's funny. I'm looking at his game log right now and it's kind of like, he's like your, your buddy healed, right? He's almost Oof. like your, you know, he's almost at, at a lesser cost where he's average double, um, double digits in field goal attempts in every game he's played in so far. Right. I mean, um, yeah. the, the last game, the win against um, Phoenix was the low and he went one for 10 from the field. I mean, he's shooting at 39-3 from the field, 33-3 from, from, from three, right? And I, you, and I think you hit it right off the head. Like, there are guys that are great sixth men when you can kind of just come off the bench here. And then there are guys that are, that are starters. Um, I think on a bad team, he's a starter. I think on a, on a good team, he's probably your sixth or seventh guy. He's probably your first or second guy coming off the bench. And he, he's arguably a starter by necessity. Um, like, the Grizzlies have always just been missing a wing player um, that can put the ball in the basket. Because during the grit and grind era, their two-guard couldn't put the ball in the basket. It was, it was Tony Allen. Like, he, he was out there to be a menace on defense. 
And then that the third spot, the other wing was just a black hole. Um, and it just feels like Dylan, because he can create his own offense, is just starting by necessity. So, Bobby, would you say that the missing piece um, for Memphis to put beside Jaw and, and Jaron is a, a wing that can create and take some pressure off of Morant in the future? Yeah, but you know what? Everybody wants one. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants one. It's like going to it's like going to the food store now and looking for toilet paper, right? Like you always go and there's never there. Like you know, when we when I was in when I was in Brooklyn, you know, we would always have, especially during the closer to trade deadline, you just kind of go through the rosters and you just like, where do we? How do you find a wing? How do you get a six guy, six eight guy can make shots, can defend, can create on his own? And man, those are hard to come by. I mean, they really are. I mean, can Winslow do that for you? I don't know. I don't know where Justice is going to be when he eventually comes back, especially not playing for over, you know, over a year here. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, DeAnthony, I think, has a certain role. I don't think that's it. Uh, Grayson, I think, is a role as a sixth man, probably sixth, seventh man. I don't know if he's your – I don't think he's your full-time starter. And, yeah, I mean, that's – and that's, you know, how the, their books are going to be lined up for the for, you know for the next year, I guess. You know, they're not going to be in, in a position to go out and get a guy free agency. So it's almost like you're either going to have to draft one, get lucky again, or you're going to have to package some some of the players that you like to try to go out and um, go out go out and get one. But they are not easy to get. I'm telling you, man. Teams have been searching forever. Um, you know, for those wings that you know that Memphis needs. One hundred percent. I was listening to when I when I had to drive the bus on road games. I, I tune into uh, Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor's uh, the mismatch podcast, and Vernon mentioned that Milwaukee needs to move Middleton for a wing that can create his own offense because Giannis can't shoot. Right. Um, is Middleton the type of guy that Memphis needs, or do they need more of a guy that can create off the dribble? I'm a big. I think Chris Middleton's probably one of the more underrated players, you know, out there. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's probably a good. He's a solid two option on teams on good teams here. I think he'll, you know, certainly he's the type of guy. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you probably need. I think he's hard. He'll be, he'll be hard to get though. You know, I mean, especially for that team that's kind of in a win now mode. But yeah, that's that's kind of what um, that's kind of what this style that you would probably be looking at. All right, I got one one last question for you. Um, it's a it's a source of debate here um, within Grizzlies Twitter and and mainly within Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, is Jaron Jackson Jr. a five in the future? Can you win with him as your primary center, or do you need somebody like a Valanciunas or the JaVale McGee uh, to you know the Lakers Anthony Davis to play beside him due to yeah. his rebounding deficiencies um, and his smaller frame guarding guys like a Carl Anthony Towns and the Jokic. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think you, as I, you know, we talked about insurance policies, I think you need a, you need a guy like JV, um, uh, you know, a pure five for Jaron here for, for a couple of things here. You mentioned certainly rebounding deficiencies, but from a health standpoint, right? Like, can you play Jaron at the five consistently? 30, 35 minutes a night and without his body wearing and, you know, without, you know, the wear and tear here, because as you, as you guys see firsthand, man, he's been, he's been nicked up quite a bit here. 
and can he and this is you know the league has certainly changed and it's not like Shaq and Ewing and these the bigs you know that we saw in the 80s and 90s anymore and you're the constant grind here but I think to play him at the four along with JV um, I, I do think you need I think you do need a traditional five kind of next to him yeah I, go ahead Ben I got one you go ahead Justin I'll, I'll ask after you uh no, I was just going to agree. Um, I, I'm a big Valentunas fan. Um, I, I advocate for him uh, all the time. I love what he does. Um, and I don't think that this team uh, is, is as successful uh, with, with Jaron at the five. So whatever you got, Ben. Uh, one last question. I know this is a, Grizzly, this is a Grizzlies uh, site, but we are in Memphis. And I just wanted to ask your thoughts on about – how quickly James Wiseman has been able to adapt to the NBA game. Are you surprised that he's adapted this quickly? Do you think it has a lot to do with Draymond Green helping him? I'm surprised at all these rookies. I really am. I mean, like, just the position they were in where you shut it down in March. You know, certainly with, with, uh, with Wiseman hadn't played since, what, November or December here. They're a two-week training camp, no summer league, no, no – no, um, developmental stuff in September and, and early October. And you're basically kind of just throw them into, you basically throw him and all these guys, you know, LaMelo, Edward, Anthony Edwards, you, the guys you have down in, down in Memphis kind of into the, into the fire here. And this is going to be, this is a big learning curve. You know, um, you know, Wiseman goes from starter to, you know, comes off the bench last night and gives you a 13 and four and, and 15 minutes um, kind of, you know, as I kind of say, you know, swimming in the deep end a little bit here. But um, I think at the end of the day, Wiseman is probably, you know, certainly LaMelo has had some good moments in Charlotte, but probably the top prospect in this draft that we just went through here. And for, you know, as I said, someone who hasn't played in, you know, November, December against live action here to be able to go out and average, you know, 12 points a game in NBA action is, is pretty impressive. And I think there's, you know, there's still a ton of upside for him. So I lied. I got one more for you. The did the Grizzlies steal Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, and Xavier Tillman simply because they were not young, like one year players? I think they stole them because they were active from a trade standpoint. All three were all three guys were trades, right? You know, either yeah. you're moving up to get either one. I, I do believe that being in college, if they were a freshman and had, you know, kind of scratched the surface, I think they look at, in a different direction here. But I think being I think being in college, knowing that, you know, one coming from Gonzaga, Michigan State, you know, certainly TCU, not a heralded program here, um, but being a three- or four-year guy, um, I think so many teams look past that. I don't think they they do. Bobby, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, making the time for us uh, this morning to come on the podcast. Um, it, is, it means a ton to us. Anything you want to throw in before we hop off of here? No. I mean, we've got um, – it's funny, you know, we're in um, – we're still in, um, you know, January here, which is really our, I guess, late November, early December <laughs> in the real world of NBA basketball here. So, yeah, we'll get these um, – the trade season starts opening up in about 10 days here, and we'll get going with that, and we'll see how many teams are active. You know, it's going to be challenging because not many teams have – you know, Brian Windhorst wrote a great piece that basically half the league has already traded their picks, you know, for the, for the future here. And Memphis is one of those teams that can kind of just sit back and 
they've got their picks and they've got others too to, to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Uh, again, we appreciate it. Uh, ben, try to get some rest, man. Uh, I know you got to head, head to work in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we got a game tonight, actually, a district game. Uh, so another late uh, 12 to 13 hour work day here. Uh, but the baby will be asleep when I get home tonight, so I'm going to hop right in the bed when I get home. <laughs> All right. Uh, I appreciate you both. Until next Thanks, time, guys. this has been another. Yes, thank you. Thanks, this, has been, this has been another episode of the 3 and D pod.